From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Bracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Aaron, how are you today, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, so today's show will be slightly interesting. Um, think of this as, um, you know, every once in a while we, 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 we like to pontificate on the show, and we tend to have done them in the, um, you know, the mid-year shows and the, and the year wrap-up shows and our prediction shows. Um, but, but we've been talking recently as well of, okay, you know, how can we potentially add some new, new content um, out there and, and kind of share some of our, our learnings? And we've worked with many companies over the years, both of us have, um, and we've done some core functions kind of over and over. And just like we have, like with this podcast, we have a kind of a repeatable pod uh, process to get this out the door. There's some repeatable things that we wanted to talk about without getting company specific. You know, this isn't necessarily about our day jobs. This is maybe a, you know, a roll up of the learnings of our day jobs, if you will, that might help some folks out there. So tell, tell them a little bit about what we're going to talk about, Brian. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times what happens, um, you know, I, I sort of borrowed this idea. Uh, a lot of times, if you if you listen to other podcasts, like for example, if you're into sports at all, um, and and your sport is in between seasons, um, and and you listen to a podcast, and and folks have to, you know, they they have to sort of get you from you know old season to new season. There's some fillers, and a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, look, let's let's step back from talking about sort of the day to day stuff or some particular trend or or topic or something, and let's give you some behind the scenes of what goes on with stuff. Because a lot of times, people are interested not just in some new technology or some startup or something, but like, how does the process work? Like we see things happen all the time. So what we thought we would do is we're going to do kind of a series uh, over the summer um, before we get to sort of the next set of trade show seasons to look at some of the behind the scenes of, of how things happen. And so with this one, what we thought we would do is we said, you know, how do companies do a product launch? How does a, how does a product not just get built, um, you know, the engineering side, but like what happens when it's time to launch the product, what goes on in the weeks before, what's the planning process, and then what happens afterwards. And we thought that might be useful because obviously we see, you know, hundreds of product launches every year. And, you know, sometimes people scratch their heads. Sometimes they go, well, that, that was great. Um, but understanding the mechanics behind it, I think, is sort of helpful for people to, to get a sense of like, okay, why did they do certain things? Why didn't they do certain things? And, um, you know, to give you some insight into what goes on in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's start with the basics. Um, so Brian, what's, what's kind of a, a typical checklist before a product launch? What are some of the things you've been involved in or you've seen uh, out in the industry? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of this is, has changed over the years. Um, you know, so, so this, this will depend, I think a little bit about kind of how old you are and what kind of products you deal with. Um, you know, the, the first thing to sort of keep in mind is the, some product, depending on on if it's software, if it's a service that's being delivered, like as a SaaS application, or if it's something that's tied to hardware, you know, there are really, really different lead times between like the idea to do a product and the product launching. Um, but let's say the product is going to launch, I don't know, let's say on April 1st, you know, typically by, you know, a quarter before, um, you know, the, the product team knows about when it's going to launch. They have some rough timelines on when engineering is going to have it available. And they start going through this process of 
what are all the checklists? And they sort of work backwards from, let's say, that April 1st date of what what other groups uh, within your company have to get involved? What external groups have to get involved? Um, you know, wh- what were you doing to make sure that, you know, the, the early customer feedback that you had, let's say a beta trial, uh, an early access program gave you feedback that the product did what it was supposed to do, what was on a, you know, what, what was in some sort of planning document, um, you know, whether that's part of a scrum or that's part of a, you know, waterfall planning document. Um, but I, I don't, you know, some companies will go out further than a quarter, but, but about, a, about a quarter in, you've got some pretty big things going on in terms of trying to get all those groups going, giving them enough time to say, what are all the tasks you need to do that on April 1st, for example, in this example, you go, the product's available, you can buy it, and everything that's around it has to happen. Yeah. And and the other thing I would add to it, too, is I'll, I'll add a little bit of, of, you know, previous experience into this. So, um, you know, one of my previous companies, Solid Fire, um, was really, really good about this, even when we were a small company. Um, so even when we were, you know, only a couple hundred employees, we, we had that the idea of the you know, NPI, the new product introduction process and a checklist and the, the supply chain aspects that went behind it. Think of it as, you know, if, if an idea gets started and created by product management, the engineering has to go do it, right? And engineering then has to do this TOI or transfer of information to PM. PM has to tell the solutions and marketing people typically the you know the marketing people are sometimes engineering what somebody has to tell sales sales and se's have to tell customers there's this whole downstream aspect of everything that has to happen and that has to happen in a timely manner because otherwise what slips at the end of the project plan what what slips a lot of times is you know people getting stuff out the door just in time and then no one really knows or has been educated on, on all of that. And so that's where this process really comes into play. But like you said, though, a quarter tends to be the magic number of for focus. If it's more than a quarter, everyone's, you know, ah, that's that's further along. If it's less than a quarter, things tend to slip. Right. Well, and, and I think the, the reason some of those things are, are in place is, you know, we, we work in the tech industry. There, there really is no kind of, you know, starting point. The game is always kind of evolving. Your competitors are always doing stuff. The market is always, you know, evolving a little bit. Um, and so if, if it was longer than a quarter, uh, I think what ends up happening is where you started, let's say you said, hey, we, we want, we're sort of targeting this product to go against a certain market problem or against a certain competitor or against a certain price point. You get beyond that and there is so much kind of reiteration that happens, right? So, so this is, this is the thing that and we're going to get into sort of what has to happen, but you know, one of the, the biggest things that has to happen in a product launch is you've got to get a lot of people eventually saying the same words, talking about the same problem, because you ultimately, whether you're seeing this product from somebody you interact with in the field, right? Like you have a sales rep or something, whether you're interacting with it on the website, you saw a webinar, you're reading about it in the press, like you want it to be consistent. And, and a lot of times what will happen is if you get too far along, all these different groups who have a, a stake and ownership in it will start going, well, that's not how I would talk about it to my group. That's not how – and you really have to have a, a level of communication and consistency um, so that when people go like, what's the value proposition to this? Like what does it cost? How do I, you know, how do I integrate it or is it backwards compatible or whatever? 
everybody at least on day one is saying the same thing so that the the perception in the market is okay these folks have their act together and if yeah. you spend and if you if that goes on for too long and people would be shocked like there are i don't know i i've worked on much i mean there, there are no less than 50 20 editions of a lot of the things that come out within a product um in that even in that last quarter i mean there are tons and tons of changes and iterations and being able to keep up with those is is a challenge yeah. And, and so let's, let's, let's kind of roll that because that rolls very naturally into the next topic of, okay, as we're getting ready to go to market, what kind of, you know, stuff has to be yep. created for all the groups that, that, that might care about this. And, and so we're, you already hinted at number one, which is the documentation and, and marketing message guides. And so for the, you know, the marketing folks out there, um, it is, it is, what does the product do? And then what is the message out there that we're going to tell everyone? And like you said, consistency is key with something like that. And and the problem with that is the documentation almost always gets done because it's a natural function. You have to do a user guide. You have to do readmes and, you know, you release notes and stuff like that. The message guide, in my experience, tends to be hit or miss. And that, yeah. that tends to be where some of these these go-to-market motions break down. But but what are some of the other things that, that people would consider, Brian? Yeah, I, I think... You know, the, the analogy I use a lot of times is is think about if you went to a, a perfectly still pond and you threw one big rock in there, you know, the, the ripples that, that kind of disseminate from where the, that big rock hit the thing is kind of what, what goes on. So, you know, there are things that are going to be kind of big impact things. And then you have to realize that like the farther away you get from either the, the product team itself or the, the source of knowledge, uh, you know, out in the field or customer or whatever, like everything's going to have to be sort of dumbed down a little just because they don't live with it every single day. So there are some basic things that have to happen. Somebody has to figure out how to price the thing. Um, you know, what does it cost if it's something that you're going to sell, which, you know, 99.9% of the time it's going to be, um, you know, little things like how do I build a skew for this? How do I make it so that you can take an order? Um, you know, like that's one of the things that people forget about is not only does it need a price, somebody has to be able to accept an order and, and transact an order. All that typically has to happen somehow, some way. Um, and then in the analogy of sort of the ripples, you know, you've got to go out and, and you're essentially training people, whether your your training is you're going to field people and, and training them on this, you know, how to get hands on, how to deliver a message, how to do it. Or you're in essence training like market press people or analysts to go like, this is what it is. This is what it's like. Uh, th- this product is sort of like something else except better or cheaper or faster. Um, you know, so you've got pricing models that have to happen. That's immediate stuff. So somebody can transact it. You've got to train the field. You've got to train customers. They're coming from a different perspective. You've got to train support. And then in a lot of cases, depending on, on how you sell your product, you've got to go train somebody who isn't badged at your company. They're, you know, you're going to go train a partner or a reseller or a systems integrator to care about your product as much as you do, but they look at it as some component in something bigger that they deal with. Yeah. And the other thing too, I would add uh, with this, um, is the, the content can't be overstressed here because, uh, just like you said, with kind of that ripples in the pond analogy, it becomes, if you don't have the content, it becomes a really, really, really bad version of the operator phone game. Uh, oh yeah. It, you know, unless you have a document that that you can kind of pass along that is in writing that is those original things, 
everything becomes word of mouth and that word of mouth horrendously breaks down. Like, and we, we're going to talk about kind of some of the past experiences, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring one in, in here of like, it is, it is amazing to me the product launch I did a, a number of years ago. And then to have like um, the field marketing team in another geography of the world. Right. Like just, it was night and day. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, and then it was a little bit of like, well, that's what we thought we heard on the call, you know, and you start to get stuff like that. So, you know, and then, you know, press and analyst content, competitive content, like you were saying, partner content, because everyone wants to at a fundamental level, understand why should I care? Why is this different? How does this compare to either your the previous version or to the other products in the market from competitors? That's everyone just wants a frame of reference, right? right? And everything you can do to create that frame of reference and connect the dots as quickly as possible is the whole goal here. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, so you know we listed a bunch of stuff. Folks can go take a look at the the show notes. You know we, we'd love if you have questions about any specific thing, feel free to reach out to us. Um, what do you consider, like, you've probably got a mental checklist in your mind of like, what do you consider to be a successful product launch? So whether it's something that you've launched or something you've seen somebody else launch, like what are some of the things you look at and you go, yep, wasn't perfect, but you know, I consider that one a success. Yeah. Um, so I kind of look at it this way too, of, okay, is there, is it an iterative launch? Meaning, Hey, it's version, you know, 4.2 of the next product. Um, or is it a brand new product in the market? Um, because they're very, very very different metrics. Yep. Yep. And, and so if it's an iterative one, it is, okay. It is, what is the customer feedback? What is the adoption rate? Is everyone upgrading? Um, you know, are you getting things like that? And, and sometimes those, like the small iterations, when you do those releases, you want a, a, you know, a slight bump in press and a slight bump in, 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 in buzz in the community and all of that, because that leads to new sales, but yeah. you're you're really worried more so about you know how do you keep the existing customers happy and then they continue to purchase existing. A new product is completely different set of metrics. It is all about press. It is all about you know getting that buzz out there. It is getting a bump in in pipeline within your company. It is reaching those new customers as well and reaching new markets. Whether it's you know share of like existing wallet or share of new wallet, right? Is some of the terms we use at times. And so so those are at a very very high level. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, no, no matter and people sometimes disagree with this or don't want to hear this, but we're all in sales. Every company, yeah. we're all in sales. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think some of the, the sort of mental checklists I, I, I go through is, um, you know, in, in no order in particular, um, you know, do people in general kind of understand what, you know, what category the product fits in? So, you, you know, you because people are always going to make a compare like nobody nobody wants to hear about the new thing unless they can sort of compare it to something else because that gives them a baseline of like okay this is better faster cheaper or whatever um so so number 1 do, do people kind of understand okay where does this fit in in the, the rest of the world number 2 do they kind of understand at a high level like well what does this solve like what why is this unique what problem does it solve is this a problem that people can relate to um, and then, and then, you know, above and beyond kind of what you said, like the third thing is, you know, a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, like, is everybody generally saying the same thing, right? Like, do, do you have consistency of, you know, what, what's being said, or, you know, do you, do you go, go read 10 magazine articles or, you know, online articles or whatever. And you go like, 
oh my gosh, this, there's 10 different perspectives on this thing. We, we totally got this wrong. You know, we, we explained it 10 different ways. The people who were the spokespeople weren't prepped to, to answer the right questions and so forth. So, you know, I, I think essentially, and that really applies probably to new things more than, than existing ones. But like if it, if it hits those things, I think you feel like, you know, maybe the technology isn't world beating, but like if people got it, you've done a pretty good job on the launch side of things. If it's not great technology, uh, blame the engineers and the product managers. <laughs> well, and the other thing I would add too, having done product launches in, you know, companies you can measure in hundreds and then um, having done product launches in companies you can ma- manage or, or in, in, you know, multiple thousands. The other thing also is how successfully you have to nail everything up front. And, and what I mean by that. Uh, you know, when it's a small company, you tend to be able to get it just close enough, get it out the door, and then do iterative course corrections because you can get them out to the field very quickly. Yep. In in a um, taking that approach in a larger company, and as somebody who has learned this the hard way from previous experience, you cannot do it that way in a large company with. Nope thousands and thousands of people to go educate and train it has to be pretty close to nailed the first time because you're only gonna get one shot uh, you know maybe two at best and so the even the approach to a successful launch has to be completely different as well right right well and, and i think like you said in in a smaller company the the sphere of communication is much smaller. You can you can iterate as you go along. In a big company, especially the other nuance in a big company is it's one thing to sort of launch a product that's in the domain that the company already knows. So so I don't know. Let, let's say you're in the storage space. You know, if you launch a new storage product, like the concept that you have to understand in storage is not super difficult. Maybe this thing is you know faster or whatever. Fine. But if you acquire a company and you get into an adjacency and then you launch the adjacency. Like you have to you have to realize that the company you acquired knows that space really well. The the people that you're dealing with probably don't know it that well. And and that's another reason why you really have to get it right, because essentially you're you're taking something that's new to a bunch of people that don't really know the space. And you make the assumption that, let's say, the 50 people or 100 people that you acquired are going to somehow scale to, to be able to explain that to all those people. And, and, you know, that's where you've got to be doing a lot of prep work ahead of time, as opposed to just day of the launch or day after the launch. Yep. Agreed. So, so let's move on then. So, because something we, we both, we talked about this a little bit previously, something we've definitely seen is this concept of product launches changing over the years, um, you know, for, for things that, that you personally have worked on. So what are some of the trends you've seen change in launches? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I cut my teeth at Cisco. I mean, we would literally plan products 18 months in advance because we had to, a lot of times we were building chipsets that would go with things or it was involved with hardware or we were building against a big, uh, software base like, like iOS at the time that was only going to have releases every six to nine months. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is the cycles between, you know, when you decide to do something and when you launch them have gotten much, much shorter, especially as things have become, you know, tied to software as opposed to having a hardware component, um, at least in my case, um, much more of that. In in the open source world, it's a little weirder too in that, um, you know, I'll give you a great example. Like we track the product that I work on, OpenShift, which is a Kubernetes distribution to the upstream Kubernetes project. Um, but yet we don't always ship 
the the version of of OpenShift at the exact same time that the Kubernetes thing is because we end up doing a bunch of iterative integrations beyond that. There's some things we do to the user interface. There's testing and so forth. So, you know, sometimes we'll have situations where in the open source world, the open source community will have some big announcement. They're excited about something. And then our associated commercial product with that comes out at a point later. And, and so you're, you're kind of going, okay, how do I get the buzz of what's going on in the community to be tied to my product, but then also realize that like you don't have the product that exact same day because the commercial model and the open source model are different. So, you know, we, we've gone from really long cycles to, I mean, like in the case of Kubernetes, like literally quarterly cycles of, of new updates. And so everything is getting compressed uh, in terms of what I've seen for launches. Yeah. And, and I'll add two more trends to that. Um, the, the, so you, you bring up a point there though of, okay, let's say there is quarterly, right? There are the more cutting edge. And if you follow the crossing, the, the chasm, you know, model, right? The, the early adopters and, and the even early majority there, they may be willing to consume things on a very quickly, even quarterly basis. But the further you go in the curve, they, they don't want things every quarter you know a large stable enterprise does not want something every quarter heck they don't even want two releases a year sometimes right they they want one maybe two releases a year tops and so you have to deal with that um and and who is your customer base and what who are you launching into what is the schedule they want to consume it but the other thing on the content side is shorter form content is king and i think that goes to the shortening of the product launch cycles yeah, uh, you know, we and this is the other thing too is like I'm not writing a lot of reference architectures anymore. I, you know, the teams I I um, lead, we don't write a lot of those anymore because the, there might be one there which is that core thing that might help some folks, but it's it's all about you know shorter videos, it's all about shorter papers, it's all about you know how do we get knowledge out there faster, which is also the other thing which is for us influencer content and influencer involvement has become a very formal thing. It used to be something we used to always do very intentionally and it was a little bit of our network and we would reach out to folks and we have kind of these informal programs. Influence networking is now a budget line item and Mm, it is something we have to put budget towards and sometimes pretty significant budget towards. And, and so that is something that has become very intentional in the last, you know, I'd say four years or so we've gone from, you know, it's a spreadsheet and, you know, we need to probably have a webinar and then make sure we talk to these people to, we now have a program quarter in quarter out where we're, you know, working with influencers and that's not just current company, previous companies as well. And so that to me has been a trend very recently as well. Interesting. Interesting. So in essence, maybe, maybe not your best salesperson, but some of your best influencers don't actually carry a badge for, for your company. That's, That's uh, right. definitely an interesting, di- different trend. So well, let, let's wrap up this on this sort of last topic. Cause obviously we could go into tons of examples that go on on this for a long time. Um, what are some of the common mistakes you see that companies make with launches? Like what are maybe not necessarily a specific, like, Oh, that, that company, that product, but like in general, what are some of the things that you hope people avoid because uh, you've seen it multiple times before? 
Um, so I have two big trends, and then I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, the number one uh, one is just a you know I, I talked about those TOIs that transfer of information, and and it is a little bit like a supply chain, and you get a complete. TOI breakdown. And a lot of times it's, it is because of compressed schedules and just, you know, that, that knowledge transfer never quite happens like it should. Engineering never quite tells all the internal folks, the internal folks never quite tell the external folks. And you end up with this mad scramble that gets you two bad things. It gets you, you know, bad or no information out to the field. And it just looks horrible to, to customers. Like they can tell, when something was just pushed out the door and it doesn't build confidence. Right. And then now they're like, well, that release felt a little rushed or that product felt a little rushed. I'm going to wait another version. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's one thing that has happened. And then um, the other thing from more like the solutions and marketing side of everything um, is relying too much on one strategy to kind of get those success metrics. I, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, for instance, um, uh, one of the companies I was with, it was very much, you know, new product launch and how can we do this and how can we get as much, you know, press buzz as possible. And we launched it out of the market <clears throat> and quite, you know, it sounds awful, but quite frankly, it was crickets. You know, I think one, maybe two articles was written on it. And because of that kind of putting all of the, the, the emphasis on press, as opposed to doing all of the, you know, a more inclusive project, it became over time, you know, a, a dud of a launch because the strategy just it was a, you you have to hit everyone yeah yeah no I, I agree with that it's uh it's sort of like a meeting like if you have an important meeting you really should never go into that meeting not knowing what the answer is going to be ahead of time um same thing you, you ought to be doing a bunch of prep you know find some friendly press find some friendly analysts find some friendly customers do it off the record and so forth so um I, i've got two that i'll throw out and uh you know we can we can hit on more if we want to um so you know you're always anytime you do a launch especially if it's a new launch if it's an iterative launch maybe not as much but but with new launches you're always trying to find the right balance between you know you want to tell the world that you're going to you're, you're going to significantly change the market you're going to change the world you're going to change the economics of something um and you know, tech loves that. You know, we all think that we're world beaters and all this sort of stuff. And, and that's the, the the mantra of sort of, you know, tech stardom. Um, you've got to find the right balance between we're actually, you know, we think we've got something that's going to significantly change the market and, you know, what it actually, you know, and how long that will take to get there. Because if you tell the world you're going to change the world, but it's going to take three or four years to get there. But, you know, version one is going to have, you know, two features. But by the time we get to version version six in four years, like it'll have everything. You sort of miss the timeline window for that. You know, that that's when you're sort of like, OK, maybe we should have held on to the thing a little longer or something. So you've got to find the right balance between we're going to change the world and how long will it take before I can change the world? Because if it's going to take a long time, there will be a hundred other world-changing things that will get people's attention. You'll you'll lose their you'll lose their you know few minutes of attention you got. The other thing I will say is spend a ton of time on whatever that first experience you want somebody to have with your product. So if it's like, hey, we have this new thing, you can go to the site, you can download it, two clicks, you'll be up and running. You know, spend a ton of time making sure that that actually happens. Because if it's, you go to the website, you get a 404, you go to the website, you have to enter 20 pieces of information, you go to the website, it only works on like, you know, one iteration of a browser or something like that. Like the, the the worst thing you can do is give a bad impression. You know, that's the old saying, like you only get a chance to make a first impression once, you know, spend a lot of cycles on that and spend them with people 
who don't know your product inside and out because that's always where it burns you is you're like, oh, all of our engineers have tried this. They use it every day. It just works. You know, go find that random know nothing person with a, you know, beat up browser and see if it works for them because they're the ones who are going to be, you know, a bigger part of your market than you think. And if that blows up, man, that the, the blogs will get written. The the Reddit articles will get written. You know, get, get that first impression right. Yeah, we and I used to use the term, uh, you know, internally with some of the companies. Yeah, you can't get your product get stink on it, right? Because no. at that at that point, your product got stink on it, and then you have a reputation of stink on it, and everyone talks to everyone, and you know, especially in our markets, and especially with emerging things, and everyone's evaluating things, and and people have less and less time. If they if they have heard somewhere something has stink on it, they'll just be like, eh, I don't have time for that. That, that has stink on it. Right. Um, and the other thing I would add to that, it's almost a, you know, kind of goes along with it. Uh, you know, if that was maybe the cardinal sin of product launches, right, the, 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 the very close number two to that would be make sure your internal folks know before the customers know. I, I, I won't give too many specifics, but I will simply say um, there was one one time product was launched, you know, product had to go out the door for various reasons. Um customer uh, in this instance customer upgraded and then called support and support didn't even know it was out um yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so you, you know try and you know educate your SEs, educate support educate everyone so that you know the the customers uh, aren't the first ones to know <laughs> right right exactly yeah it's, it's it's one thing for your customer to sort of kind of be a beta tester it's another thing for them to be beta tester engineer marketer like you don't want them to do everything so that's right very cool well listen uh you know obviously we 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 didn't go into tons of details of any specifics, just kind of to protect the innocent. Um, you know, we, we, we'd love to talk to folks about this, kind of share anecdotes if you want to hit us up on Twitter or, you know, if you want us to go into more detail on stuff. But mostly we, we tried the format of this show because we thought, you know what, let's give folks some insight into what happens in this industry, you know, beyond just, you know, a, a vendor launches something or you know, somebody got VC funding. Let's kind of get into the dirt of, of kind of how the, the stuff that we use every day comes out the door. So we're going to do three or four of these over the summer, um, you know, partially to give you some insight on stuff. It's going to give you a kind of a mental break from having to listen about, hey, go learn some new technology. And we hope you like them. Give us some feedback. If you don't, um, that's cool. We can always shut them down. But we thought it'd be a good change of pace, especially over the summer months when there's not a lot of net news happening or, you know, new companies coming out. And uh, Aaron, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, um, any last words? No, I think we're good. Uh, looking forward to the series. And, and yeah, I would just say, um, I think at this point, everyone knows uh, how to get hold of us uh, through all the various channels. And, and of course, we, you know, it's in the show notes as well. So yeah, we would love to hear feedback on this. Cool, folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening this week, as always. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.